You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What is going on, you guys? Hope that you are doing well. We are in the second part of our series entitled Places, uh, which is a sub-series or a sub-thread to the series that we're doing all year long called Threads, which we are joining in with our entire church family here at Faith Chapel doing. Um, It's been a lot of fun, and this week we are going to be talking about a place of encounter. A place of encounter. Last week we talked about a place of wandering. You can check that out on last week's podcast episode. But this week, a place of encounter. There are a lot of different directions and stories that we could go with this idea. But what I want to do is I want to focus on a story that many of us have heard, and that is the story of Moses and the burning bush. I think it would be really easy for us to look at one part of Moses' encounter with God and just laser focus on like that one thing about that one part of the one Um, phrase that was said or whatever it may be. But what I love about the chapter and a half where Moses and God dialogue, uh, chapters three and four of Exodus, is that it's kind of a roller coaster. It's, It's call and response. It's a response to a response. It's all of these different things. And especially within Moses, we see humanity we see um, availability and we see we see hesitation we see all those different things and I love that um, because it's kind of an encouragement to me as a follower of Jesus who is often available but often hesitant that um, but through the twists and the turns and the the peaks and the valleys the successes and the failures of of following Jesus so to speak that God's still good and God still uses people who aren't perfect. And I love that about the story of Moses in general. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter three, primarily um, for this week's message. But um, I want to give a couple of reminders of who Moses was that that happens in the first um, part of this book, that, that Moses was a baby a baby boy who whose life was threatened because Pharaoh wanted to kill the male uh, children of the Israelites because they were becoming too great. Um, and so his mother puts him in a wicker basket and floats him down the Nile River. The person who ends up finding him is a slave or an attendant to Pharaoh's wife. And so Pharaoh actually ends up raising Moses um, in the royal family. He gets to live with this Egyptian family. They... Um, he ends up being someone who who's observing what is happening to his people. He sees an Israelite being abused by a slave driver, ends up murdering the slave driver, and then runs because he is found out. And he ends up in the wilderness. He, he finds a tribe. He marries into that tribe. He becomes a shepherd. And where we pick up is Exodus chapter 3, uh, right at the beginning, verses 1 through 3. It says, Meanwhile... Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? I love the response of Moses in this situation. Because instead of running, he moves toward that which he is experiencing. And I want to pose two questions off of that idea. First question is this. Are we able to recognize the extraordinary? Are we able to recognize the extraordinary? It can be really easy for us to get so consumed by the monotony of our everyday lives that we fail to see the miraculous. Maybe it will be a burning bush in our life, and maybe it won't. 
but it might be something amazing that happens within the context of relationship or somewhere else that we see God in a way that we haven't seen him yet or haven't seen him in a long time, or we need to be reminded of what it's like to encounter Jesus through others or encounter Jesus through nature, or encounter Jesus through a moment. Are we able to recognize the extraordinary? Whatever it may be, I I wonder if we'd be willing to slow down and look for it. Can we step out of the whirlwind of our lives and look for how God is moving both individually and collectively through us? How is he moving in us? How is he moving around us? The second question I want to ask is this is, if we're able to recognize the extraordinary, do we move towards it? Do we move towards the extraordinary? Are we able to slow down and then have the courage to move towards it? Moses could have walked away, but he moved closer. He said, there's something remarkable here. I I must go over. I must engage with this thing that is happening in front of me. And I wonder if we have the courage to move towards the extraordinary. Would we see opportunity in people, in places, in circumstances and say, I must go. I, I have to, I'm too curious, I'm too too overwhelmed by the possibility of what God could do in this relationship, what God could do in this circumstance, what God could do through this person. I must go over, I must see this remarkable sight, and I must engage with it. When I think about this in, in my own personal context right now, I have to brag on my wife Larissa a little bit here is that she has had an experience over the last couple months where she's got to engage and encounter Jesus through an Afghani family um, that has recently moved to Billings because they are refugees. And there is um, language barrier, there's relational barrier, there's cultural barrier, there's religious barrier, belief barrier. And yet this remarkable opportunity, this thing that doesn't present itself that often. My wife didn't run away from it or shy away from it. She stepped into it and she's taking them to appointments with with the local housing authority. She's taking the kids to the park. She's going and helping the, the parents learn how to install car seats in their vehicle. Like, this is an incredible thing that she's doing. And I, and I love that at the remarkable sight and the remarkable opportunity that it was to love these people, she just stepped into that. And it's been an example of Jesus to me and to our friends and to our church of just what it means to simply move towards what could be extraordinary. The story goes on to say this in verse 4 of chapter 3. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, when when God saw that Moses approached the extraordinary, he said, Moses, Moses. Moses answers, here I am. Now, it's not a crazy response. It's a pretty simple response. Here I am, but a response nonetheless. Moses did not know what was about to be asked of him, but he responded. And we don't always know what God's going to ask us to do in certain seasons or with certain people, but we can always have a posture availability. We can just say, yeah, Lord, here I am. Unfortunately, that's just the first part. We, we can be available. We can be available. But what we'll learn throughout this story is a posture of availability doesn't always mean a posture of obedience. We can raise our hand, 
but we have to be willing to move our feet. When I think about Larissa, she could have raised her hand and said, yes, I want to help this Afghan family because in my spirit, it feels like it's the right thing to do. But if when asked to actually step out in obedience to what Jesus was asking her to do, she could have said no. So a posture of availability does not automatically mean a posture of obedience. So we have to be not only available, but willing to move towards what God is asking us to do. Verse 5, God says, do not come closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And I think this poses another question. Do we approach God? Do we approach God with reverence? We approach God with reverence. We often miss the truth that, that we have the opportunity to have a holy encounter with Jesus every single day. A place of encounter isn't a physical location. It's not just a, a place that you go. It's a place that you are. And if you are willing to be somebody who postures yourself towards reverence towards God, you can do this on a daily basis and be like, oh my gosh, I get to be in the presence of my creator. And I know that for me personally, it can be really easy for me to not approach God, whether it's in prayer or in scripture, in reverence. I think about the way I read scripture. Oftentimes it becomes a task. It becomes something that that I'm just doing to, to check the box that I don't just open my Bible and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me? I want to take a couple minutes and just understand that it is such a, a honor and a privilege to be able to read your word, that not everybody gets the opportunity to do this. Lord, that you have orchestrated something divine, that you have done something, that I get to sit at my desk or my kitchen table or whatever it may be, and I get to read your word. Lord, would you teach me? Would you teach me? Too often I open my Bible like I would open a novel and just dive right in and just treat it like it's just something to be entertained by, but not something to be transformed by. Do we approach God with reverence? I love, I love that scripture communicates really clearly that God is not distant, that he's readily available because of what his son Jesus did. There's no ritual we have to complete to come into his presence. There's no ritual. I want to say that again. There's no ritual that we have to do to come into the presence of God. But we cannot let that cause us to not understand that it is an audacious miracle when we get to commune with God. That it is an honor and a privilege to step into the presence of our King. It's not just something. Yes, he is as close as a brother. Yes, he is always available to talk to. But I need, I need you and I need myself to understand the truth that God just isn't a friend. He's not just a buddy that we get to chat with like somebody else on this side of heaven. We get to commune with the creator of the universe, the God who hung the stars in the sky and split the sea for Moses and the Israelites who raised Lazarus from the dead. Like we get to commune with God would we be people who have reverence of that? I want to make it really clear that Jesus doesn't need theatrics. Jesus doesn't need spiritual posturing. In fact, he speaks against that on a regular basis throughout the old or throughout the New Testament as he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This isn't about making a show, but it's about having hearts that are aware of what it is that we get to do. Would we not lose focus on the fact of how amazing it is that we get to speak? to Jesus. Chapter 3 of Exodus verses 9 through 11 goes on to say, so this is God speaking, because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, 
I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Scripture is pretty clear that God's not passive, that he's a God of action. And in this moment, he's telling Moses to go. Remember that Moses had that posture of availability. He said, hey, here I am, present. But being present isn't the same as a willingness to be sent. Being present and being sent are two very different things. Moses' response was, who am I? Who am I? Like many of us, Moses focused on who he was instead of who God was, who God is. His response to the call was to think about his own perfection instead of thinking of God's perfection. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at situations or circumstances in my life or or relationships and, and thought about whether or not I would be able to handle them instead of believing that I serve a God who can absolutely handle them without question. We are not called to focus on our incapabilities, but God's extraordinary, miraculous, unexplainable capabilities. So then we have God's response to Moses' response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. God answers, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship, you will all worship God at this mountain. I will certainly be with you. This response from God is beautiful. It is so cool. He doesn't try to reassure God or reassure Moses that, that he can do it if he tries hard enough. He says, you can because I can. You can because I will certainly be with you. You And what's beautiful about this is that 1,500 years later, we see Jesus talking to the disciples as he's about to ascend to heaven. 1,500 years later, and yet Jesus echoes the words of his father in the Great Commission. You see the story about the, the 11 disciples that are left. And it says, they traveled to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And this is the part we need to hear. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So that is a huge call. Arguably a bigger call than Moses had about delivering the people out of Egypt. So Moses has this big call. Who am I? Who am I to do this? And and God says, certainly I am with you. And then Jesus says, go into all the, the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Big, big call, but Jesus doesn't stop there. And then he says this, and remember, remember what I said to Moses. Remember what I've said to you. I am with you always to the end of the age. To the end of the age, I am with you always. So the next point is this, is simply that he is with us. He is with us. The same assurance that God gave Moses is the assurance that Jesus gave the disciples and in turn gives you and I. He is with you. He is with me. He is with us in the biggest of moments and in the smallest of ones. He is with us in the biggest of callings and in the most simple, what are seemingly monotonous callings. Jesus is in the midst of all of those things. Would we not lose that truth? God is with us. The story goes on to say, In verses 13 through 15, then Moses asked God, even after all of this, certainly I will be with you. Certainly I will be with you. 
Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. I am who I am. And he is so that you and I do not have to be. He is with us. He is for us. It is not about our brokenness. It's about his perfection. It's not about the lives that we have lived. God uses messy, broken lives that are full of questions, that are full of uncertainties. And he says, that's okay. I am not full of questions. I am not full of uncertainty. I will be certainty when you are uncertain. I will be strength when you are weak. I will be everything that you need me to be. He is so that we do not have to be the great I am The great I am is with us every step of the way, and that should bring us incredible comfort, and it should also be absolutely mind-blowing that we get to be wrecked by the love of God. My prayer is that we would be people who, who realize that encounters with God, while holy and unique, are not relegated to biblical stories, but they are available to us every single day in our cars, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our friend groups, the encounter that we are seeking is available to us if we would just be intentional enough to step into it. And I think the story of Moses is absolutely incredible. This encounter with God through a burning bush is amazing, but my hope and prayer is that we would not discount the fact that God desires to have those encounters with you and I as well. Would we be people who pursue encounters with Jesus, people who recognize and identify the extraordinary opportunities in our lives, and that we wouldn't be fearful of them, but we would walk towards them because he is the great I am, and he is sufficient, and he is the one that we pursue. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.